Okay, well, hello. My name is Riley Maguire. I'm Scott. And uh, this is Stream of Consciousness. Uh, And it's like, it's a podcast that we've decided to start in, I guess, um, response to a lot of recent developments and the the way the world is, uh, Mm. things like that. Um, Some quite, you know, serious issues coming up recently. Yeah, um, I recently started... Uh, a production company called Valiant Star Productions, and this will be the first, like, actual show on on Valiant Star Productions or produced by Valiant Star Productions. Um, mm. It will be on iTunes and on YouTube because Scott and I don't believe in internet exclusivity, <laughs> <laughs> so it will be everywhere. Yeah. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Scott? Well, you know, grew up in Sydney as you did. Yeah, I grew up in Sydney. Um, in high school, you know, like graduated last year you know more it kind of science oriented yep um yeah you're good at very good at that mm, I went scott, in, scott went really well in senior science i did senior science yeah, yeah. <laughs> well no, senior science is still good yeah it's it's not too bad i mean it's you know it's not the most academically intensive subject but no I, but uh, then again neither did I, I didn't i wouldn't say i did any really academically intense subjects the extension english yeah well yeah Anyway, um, so after high school, I went into a Bachelor of Medical Science, um, which I'm actually now changing, going into pathology. So, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, what are some of your interests? Just anything, really. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you're a pretty you know, agreeable yeah. guy. Yeah. I'll um, talk about whatever. <laughs> yeah, Scott and I have known each other pretty much all our lives, yeah. by the way. So, pretty much, you know, a, a very long time. Um, I guess I should talk about myself yeah. a little bit. Um, well, my name is Ron McGuire. Um, in high school, I was an English major, so I did advanced English. I did extension one English. I did extension two English. Um, and and basically, my whole thing is I'm a director. I'm a writer. I'm a producer, um, which I'm just starting up my own company and doing things like that. Um, Scott's a big part of that. He's a big partner of mine in that. We're working on a feature film together called The Anti-Environmentalists, which will be funny, I'm hoping. Uh, (laughs) And, um, yeah, basically, uh, I go to university. I go to the Academy of uh, Film, Theatre and Television, uh, Mm -hmm. which is AFTT. Um, And there I learn all about the films. All the films. All the films. Every single one. So, (laughs) I (laughs) do all of them. Um... And yeah, basically, what this is, this this show, mm. um, it's the first show that's being produced by Valiant Star. That's right. Productions. It's a podcast, but uh, it's two guys that have always kind of been socially conscious and socially aware that wanted to sit in a room and and, <laughs> and, and, and complain. Yeah, about, about everything. A bunch yeah. of millennials complaining about things. Millennial snowflakes? No, we're not no. millennials. No. Fun fact: before we kick things off. Um, do you know that apparently uh, there are like two different generations of millennials and we're actually in the second generation of millennials. So oh. yeah, if you're born like before 1985 or something like that or after 1985, but before a certain year, then you're like the first generation of millennials. Right. And they're the ones that like they're complaining about on the news and we're like the second generation of millennials. Oh, so we're the, we're the worst ones, aren't we? Um, yeah. Oh. Um, we haven't really had a chance to get out in the world yet right that's true whereas that's that's true true. whereas other millennials have but the Mm. media likes to 
as as Smash Mouth says, the medium man begged to differ. Um, <laughs> that was a really lame cutaway, but um, yeah. Okay, so what are we going to be talking about today, Scott? Right, so we've got you know a few predetermined topics here, um, but we are open to suggestion. Yes, I think that um, whatever wherever the conversation goes is wherever the conversation goes. That's right. The first one is, um, you know, th- th- this show is kind of very. What's what's the word for it? Like, we cover like any topic really. You know? Yeah. So it's not just going to be political issues. It's also entertainment. Everything. Science, culture, mm. just events on the news, just all kinds of different things. Just random right. sort of topics. Yeah. So anyway, the first topic is, you know, quite a deep one, straight off the bat. Climate change. Um, specifically, things that have been happening in, in and around the Paris Agreement, mm. which for those who... <laughs> yeah, well, for those who are uninitiated... Um, was it yesterday or the other day? Two days ago. I think a few yeah. days ago. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump, who is the president of the United States, decided to withdraw the United States from the Paris Agreement, which is a problem because the United States make up like seventy percent of mm, the like a huge chunk. This this of the type of uh, energy that we're we're trying to reduce. We're trying to you know the type of waste we're mm, trying to reduce. Right. Yeah. So, Scott, tell me what you think about this issue, just as it stands right now. The Paris Agreement is something, you know, made by, like, the United Nations or a similar organisation to try and reduce carbon emissions. And Donald Trump, by pulling out of this, is essentially, you know, he he's in control of the biggest contributor of carbon emissions. Exactly. Yeah. So he's defeated the entire purpose of the Paris Agreement. Which is exactly my point. If the US is not going to be in the Paris Agreement, what's the point of having a, a Paris Agreement? Mm. Purely because, and like I say this, like you know, not because I think that the US should have pulled out, not by any means, but I, I do think that it's difficult to have some sort of global policy on carbon emissions if the biggest contributor to carbon emissions isn't going to be a part of it. I mean, even India, and they have like this they have a bonkers population. I, I heard the other day that India's population goes up um, more each year than the entire population of Australia, uh, which is where we're from. Yeah. And um, even they are like, yeah, we're sticking to our guns on this and we're staying in the Paris Agreement. So... Like, the US, um, you know, back in the... I, I guess, I think when Obama was in, they pledged they would donate something like, you know, 3,000 million or something like that towards it. And now Donald Trump's pulling out, and that's a huge chunk of, you know, contributed money that's not going to actually go towards the yeah. Paris Agreement, which is just ruining it, really. I mean... Now... Um, something I'm a little confused about is that Trump cited the reason why America was pulling out of the uh, Paris Agreement was to do with he thought that it was bad for the American economy. But to my knowledge, um, countries like ours, which have um, every single year we've been um, involved with a big carbon emission scheme like this, yeah. we've hit our targets. Like we've hit our um, barely goals. Yes, barely, but we've hit our goals. And mm. as far as I know, Australia's economy is v- quite quite a strong economy it's it's very good yeah Yeah, so i'm i'm a little confused why 
he's I mean I know he's just full of shit I know that's like the whole thing I mean look let's not mince words here we're not trying to tell you what to think like mainstream media does but Donald Trump's an idiot just just to clarify we're not um, radical lefties you know we're not conspiracy theorists no not at all but we're not you know like we're not right wing people no I, I wouldn't I would just say we don't subscribe to a conservative agenda no politically. we'll say that and leave it at that yeah we'll just say that and leave it at that you, you'll, um, you'll find out in time but I feel as though yeah I feel as though Trump as an issue um, it goes way beyond uh, traditional ideals of um, oh, tradi- uh, traditional political ideologies of the left and the right I, uh, yeah. just because like even the right... The, so, I don't know if you heard this, right? This little story I heard. That in the US, in the South, in the Southern States, um, there's a neo-Confederate army oh, no. forming. I'm not surprised, I'll yeah. be honest. And even they are anti-Trump. Even the neo-Confederate... Even a Confederate army in 2017... So that's surprising. Is against Trump. Yeah, it Confederates, is. right? Confederates are the... In the Civil War... Yes, that's right. Um, what exactly were they again? I'm not. You they know, were slaves. They were the pro-slaves. They were the one that lost. Pro-slaves. Yes. So they were the one. So Abraham Lincoln, he was the president on the other side, and the Confederates were like the the baddies, I guess you could say. So I'm not. I'm not using this to make any judgments, but just for comparison, a a state from like you know the Civil War. Yeah. I'm assuming they have the same ideals. They do. Um. They're pro-slavery. Yep. So even these people, yes, are against Donald that's Trump. That's right. These these are people that are homophobes. These are people that are anti-black. You know, to a to a degree that I guess we've never seen before. Why are they against Trump? They're against Trump because they want to form their own Southern Republic. Right. Which is like, which is never going to happen. Look, when the Civil War happened, there were two sides that had a bunch of muskets, but like. Imagine a rogue state in America now, and the other side has nukes and drones and things like. What's the point of a Confederate army even rising? They don't. They don't have a chance. They're not going to have a chance against. It's a bit. It's really pointless. But even these people, right? Even the 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 these horrible people that have these views that people had two hundred years ago, and two hundred years ago they were considered to be bad. Exactly. Right? Backwards back then, right? And these people are anti-Trump. So, I don't know what that says. What does that say? I mean, as I said, I'm not trying to use that to reason something because that'd be, you know, a bit of a fallacy. Yes. But in a sense, you know, it's just a different different point of view. Yeah. Think about it. If if people like that don't like Trump. Then, yeah, what's that saying? Mm. Yeah. Um, And that's the kind of man we're dealing with. And I don't think that he has any rhyme or reason necessarily to... for why um, he's doing the things he, he's doing, but he thinks that economic freedom for the United States means pulling out of a very important agreement for mm. our world. Um, you know, it, it reminds me of the saying that, not the saying, but the thing that Sam Harris said in, in one of his podcasts. He was speaking about Donald Trump and how Donald Trump essentially acts like the most powerful clown in the world. Yeah, well, that's he, a perfect way to describe him. He's, he either doesn't... He has no idea what he's talking about. You know, have, have you seen the thing on uranium? Yeah, yeah. Like, what a joke. Uranium. <laughs> what? Huge. Yeah, how can... Like, it just... 
I, sh- I should mention, by the way, um, I've like even directed a short film about Trump and how <laughs> oh, yeah. much I don't like Trump. So, like, there shouldn't be s- any surprises that we're not really pro-Trump. But again, like, who is reasonable? Like, this podcast is about art and science, mainly, I'd say. It's Pretty about much. everything. But we're both, we're from, we're from backgrounds of art and science. Right? That's right, yeah. So, who in the artistic or scientific community is really going to be pro-Trump? I mean, his right-hand man's a goddamn creationist. Oh, don't even start me. That's a topic for another day. That's a, yeah, that's a topic for another day. Oh. We're not going to get into that. But climate change, okay, let's, let's talk about this, right? So, okay. So, what, what is your opinion on climate change and, and human-caused climate change? So, anthropogenic yes. climate change. Yeah, I, so, um, I've talked to a good friend of mine who's doing, like, a really hardcore science course. I can't remember. I can't remember what he's doing. His name is, like... Um, oh, he's doing... Um, I think he's more doing like biology focused. Yeah. Yeah. But I was talking to him about it and it's pretty clear that climate change is a thing. Oh, um, it's, it's established. It's established. It's, it's real. It's a thing. We all saw an inconvenient truth. We all know what, uh, what's going on. It's an objective fact. It's, it's, yeah. it's supported by just so much a science. ridiculous it's amount of, you know, research articles and statistics and like, I'm studying medical science at uni, but it's still a science course. Oh, of course, yeah. I'm, I'm taught, you know, I've, I've had to learn chemistry and you know, a subject scientific literacy. And that deals with the misinterpretation of science and how science is yeah. researched and, you know, that kind of thing. And I can, I can guarantee that people saying that climate change doesn't exist is from a misunderstanding of the reports. Yeah. It, it's an alarming thing and it's, you know, climate change is, def- is definitely happening and not just climate change but human cause of climate change yes. is happening it is a problem i think there's like certainly an element of the earth going through cycles oh, of course um, it always does it always has we know that but it is i think dangerously irresponsible to assume that uh we're not um, making it worse certainly i think what it comes down to for me personally from what this opinion could be totally wrong, but I think that um, for me personally, what I've kind of um, ascertained is that global warming is 100% a thing. We just don't know 100% what it means, yeah. what it could mean for the future. I think that's kind of my position on it. It's a thing, we need to stop it, but like people who go on these like apocalyptic doom rants, it isn't helping everybody because no. it's, it's creating a, a, a mood of hysteria and we can't get proper working done when there's a uh, a stigma of hysteria that's that's pervading right. a topic such as this so i think that it's a thing i think it's an a, you know an object objective truth that that it's it's happening and to to ignore it is stupid but i think that um it would certainly pay to spend a little bit more time working out what it will actually mean for our earth that's right I mean, we already we can already kind of see what's happening. I mean, relating back to Donald Trump before yeah. he he himself, you know, his company filed a claim for his golf course. Yes, on an island. On, a, on an island or something like that. Um, I know. wasn't on an island. I thought it was on. Island. I'm I'm not quite yeah. sure. Um, but it was he filed some sort of uh, like insurance claim or something like that about how the shores were rising around his island. And he, he filed it to the company or something like that. So he, he, he must know. So there's no ignorance. Change is the there's no ignorance of climate change. He's either stupid or 
he's got an ulterior motive. I mean, obviously he does. But... Yeah, which is scarier. Yeah. Like, so I guess what you're kind of saying is that it's possible that he's going to betray future generations for short-term monetary gain. I, I think so. I mean, he's... By pulling out of the Paris Agreement, he's actively declining, you know, in a sense, from an objective sense, that climate change is an issue. Yes. Because if climate change was an issue, he wouldn't be pulling out. Or if, if, if he thought it wasn't, uh, like, such a big issue. But he has pulled out. Yeah. Which so, says a lot, I think. As I said, he's either got an ulterior motive and he just doesn't care, he just cares about himself. Um, you know, and his associates. Yeah, look, um, the world is a, a funny and interesting place. Mm. And I think that with someone like Trump, I don't know, it's hard to say. He wove, wove, he rode in on this wave of, of populism, I believe is like the term politically for it. I'm not even sure how he got in. Well, it's this idea of the silent majority that there's people that will vote for someone who represents ideals regardless of how backwards they are. And I think that a lot of people in America are tired of the bureaucracy. Yeah. Um, tired of Washington. And for better or for worse, Trump represents this idea of anti-establishment. <laughs> um, it's like all the hippies grew up, right? Mm. The gener that generation kind of grew up. And then they're like, oh, you know, we hate... The government, we, we've always hated the government. We've always hated bureaucracy. We've always hated all these different things, you know. I just, I just don't think that any candidates in the presidential election were really fit. No, I don't think so either. And that's unfortunate. But I personally, I don't think Trump was the best candidate. Oh, oh obviously. I don't think no. a lot of people do, especially globally. Hillary Clinton, um, again, not someone I respect a whole lot. No, me neither. But she would have been a much better choice. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, Whereas Trump is just... At least she has experience, right? Like, mm. give the lady that. Like, whatever, she's evil, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But, but she, she has a a doctorate in, like, jurist... She's a yeah, jurist she's doctor. A, she's a judge. She, she, was a, she, she, was, she was a lawyer for a very long yeah. time. And, um, you know, she did a very good job, I understand. Um, and, like, you know, a lot of people, I think, when they think of Hillary Clinton, they... they they link her to her husband. And I think that's unfair on her because yeah. like his actions and what he did back in office in the late nineties. That well, was his actions. Yeah, that was, that was, that's exactly right. She was only the first lady. Um, and that does mean a lot. Being the first lady does mean something, but I don't think it means that she's responsible for Bill Clinton. No. Um, again, it doesn't really make her fit for office, but again, lesser of two evils, I suppose. Mm. Um, but there's this interesting idea, I think, that um, with with Trump, um, it's it's like people think um, better the evils you know, kind of thing, where like America has had a battles with a long history of racism and unacceptance and things like that. Yeah. And I think that maybe some people think that's that's less scary than this whole brand new world of terrorism and that's right and horrific violence and um, you know this second Cold War we're in this kind of um, new era, mm. new age, new Americana, if you will. Um, it's, it's, it's completely new territory. It's, you know, for all of us. And I think that climate change is something that our generation, Scott, I think um, is very on the ball about. Yeah, that's right. Um, Cause we're, you know, 
there's there's that old statistic that I've heard somewhere that like you know the person the average person nowadays intakes like hundreds of times more information than anyone intakes in a single you know in their whole lifetime yes um you know back in like 1920 30 40 50 like back in those kind of decades and i think that's still rising I so agree. Um, we are a more informed generation like oh of course but see, not our generation but generations closer to us yes like we were talking before about the the, the two generations i think that um we are the last generation that grew up playing outside mm. as a generalization Pretty much. Before we moved into this world of technology, and I think that gives us a unique advantage. We've got the best of two different centuries, I think. Um, So people like to shit all over millennials and be like, oh, millennials are bad, millennials are fucking this, millennials are this, whatever. But I think that uh, we certainly, you know, we have a unique take on things. And I think the environment is certainly something that we're we're conscious about. Yeah. Going back to what you're saying about how um, climate change or human-caused climate change specifically could be affecting the Earth, um, I mean, when you think about it from like a chemical point of view, if you're dumping like the US, I think it was something like seven million metric tons of CO two into the atmosphere, that's 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 a what that's a fair bit. Yeah, that is a lot. There's going to be some sort of chemical reaction that takes place and it's going to have an impact on something you know it it can't sit there and not interact with anything I think it would pay a lot I mean obviously the earth is you know the earth is a planet it's an ecosystem Mm. Um, but because it's the ultimate ecosystem it's like the it's like um, it's the ecosystem in which it which all other ecosystems are housed right? Mm. We have to think of it more like a living thing, right? It just in the sense, purely metaphorically that, um, if you are putting CO2 and things like that in crazy amounts, never before seen, um, it's going to react to it. It's not going to know it's, you know, it's things need to adapt. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and if you... it goes back to that study on the moths. Yeah. Uh, in, I'm not quite sure when it was a fair while back. Yeah, they started noticing because of pollution that all the moths were turning black, and that was actually because it, all the all the lighter moths were getting eaten because the trees were darkening, and then now all the oh. moths were becoming black. So evolution itself was being affected by pollution. Well, pollution was affecting evolution. Yeah. So, you know, black moths became more uh, current, or you know higher numbers simply just because the trees became darker and then you know if you're a white moth you're going to get eaten so there's just going to be less white moths which is alarming something you know that significant can happen that quickly yeah so I mean that's like to us you know that's not the most directly affecting thing but it can it proves without a doubt that Mm. um, evolution is directly being impacted Oh, it, it, um, it is and pollution. it goes along with the heightened you know cases of cancer and and it could contribute to that and you know definitely asthma and COPD and that kind of thing um, yeah because I remember my uncle saying to me once when I was like a, a bit younger he said to me you know like god when I was a kid there was never this much asthma and things like that and things like that I, I you know I, I think that's uh, I think that's a real 
thing. Yeah. Um, you know, we're people that have been, people our age, are people that have been born in a world that we've never known anything but constant Wi-Fi waves in the air and radio and television and, and the environment being altered. Mm. You know, so... God, it's just it's just whole new territory. And that is why Trump pulling out of an agreement like this is secondly so dangerous because not only uh, is he affecting the environment, he's also um, he's also halting a lot of um, a lot of research and a lot of understanding of environment yeah. because you know, it's just gonna stop that whole process. It's like the wheels being broken. By this, like, like I, I, don't, I know you feel the same, but I can't stress how important this is. The implications of this, like, what do you think they are? Well, I think a lot of countries will definitely think, "What's the point?" Um, I know a lot of uh, cities in America are thinking of forming their own coalition to try and um, mm. uh, an environmental coalition. So, there's already thing. I mean, like, I saw something very interesting the other day. Um, Japan's foreign minister. <laughs> Um, he gave a statement about it, um, and it was, for the Japanese, unusually strong worded. Um, it said something like, you know, we're very angry about this. The, the general sentiment was that Japan was frustrated yeah. with the United States over it. Um, it wasn't in support of the decision at all. No. Um, I think there, uh, well, politically, I think there'll be a lot of kickback. I mean... There you is. can't impeach a president for getting out of a deal, but it'll certainly fuel the fire on both sides of the American political debate. The bottom line is he's got blood on his hands. Oh, of course he does. It's everyone's blood. Oh, it's everyone's blood. That, that, that's, I think, uh, the main thing. And, and and that's split into two different things. That, that's that got political ramifications that I think we'll see a lot of in the coming weeks. Yeah. But also environmentally, which is, I guess, the main problem here is that, um, yeah, I think that this will significantly halt um, our restoration attempts on our planet to try and bring everything back if the biggest contributor of carbon emissions doesn't want to play game, play ball with everybody else, then where the rest of us are facing an uphill battle. We're screwed, basically. That's basically it. I mean, the, the, I mean it's still possible, of but course, the but effect isn't going to be it sets nowhere us near back. as big. It sets us back a lot. That's right. That's the main ramification of this. And I think politically, we'll see a lot more ramifications. I hope so. I think, um, I think uh, there'll be a, a lot more to come mm. on, on, on this in the future. I don't think we've, we've heard the last of, uh, of this. Like, what's some other crazy stuff he's done? Uh, well, he admitted... Um, he admitted to the Russians... Oh, he... Well, he admitted to... Uh, he admitted to, like, the media that he gave classified information to the Russians, right? Didn't he, like, also strip money from, like, international abortion... Yes, he did. Yes. Something? Yes, he said he wasn't going to support um, this international abortion thing because he thought it was wrong and all that. And you know what? All I'm going to say about this, because that's like a whole topic for another day, but yeah. all I'm going to say about this is a bunch of old white men sitting in a room in Washington <laughs> don't get to decide what women get to do with their bodies. That's just my opinion, but I think, you know, it's ridiculous to think that it's, they should have any... It's very dogmatic, I think. Um, mm. But yeah, it's an, it's another topic for another day. That's, another t- that's, that's too big a topic, but I think um, 
I think, uh, so he, he gave info to the Russians and he admitted, right? Now, obviously presidents have done dodgy things since the beginning. Fine. I mean, but every, every president, every president's, you know, going to have something dodgy. But Donald Trump admitted that part of the reason he fired the FBI director was because he was looking into Trump. Mm. That's obstruction of justice. Straight up. He admitted to straight up obstruction of justice. Like, are you kidding me? Why can't he get arrested for that? Well, he should have. That's the thing that annoys me. Like, he full on admitted that that was a big part of the reason why he did it. So, and the and the White House, like the the White House, the White House press before that was like, yeah, nah, we did it for other reasons, and we want a new guard and things like that. But then he came out and said it. So, like, to I believe to impeach a president, both houses have to to vote on it. Um, mm. So the Democrats and the Republicans. Um, Donald Trump is a Republican, so the Democrats obviously want him out. Um, and I heard that it's possible that if Trump got impeached, that a person who could replace him would be someone like John McCain. John McCain. I don't know anything about him. So John McCain ran for office. I'll look him up. Um, a while ago. He's a Republican. He's a senior Republican. He was a... I think he was like a um, prisoner of war in Vietnam. Wow, okay. Um, so he's got his head screwed on. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably wouldn't vote for him if I was an American, but he's certainly, like, he's certainly got his act together, you know? Yeah. Like, they're not going to call an election, I don't think, but he, he certainly, you know, he can certainly say some stuff about that, I think. He can make a country. Interesting. Yeah, he's an interesting kind of guy. Um, definitely. He was should. born at a naval air station. Yeah, he's um he's very anti-Trump. He's a senior Republican party member. Really? He's very anti-Trump. Yeah, I don't think he likes him very much at all. Okay. Um, in fact, I don't know if I, I think the Speaker of the House, his what's his name, like something Ryan. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't like him at all. No, there's, he doesn't have too many fans. I don't think. Um, even in even in his even in his own party. Um, Did he go to college? Trump. No, uh, John McCain. Uh, I'm not sure, but I'd, I'd say probably. Um, I, I, it's a generalization, but I find that a lot of these Republican politicians, and I guess Democrats as well, they all tend to go to uh, to college. I guess they, they they often come from law. National War College, apparently. Yeah, they go. I mean, so Trump is like a, it's a, it's a, it's a mess of an issue, especially with this Paris Agreement. I think it's the wrong call. I think the U.S. leaving um, the Paris Agreement is definitely the wrong call. Hmm. Definitely. All right. Well, we've talked about Trump for a little bit. Um, let's talk yeah. about a kind of another big issue that's going on, and that's um, terrorism and recent terrorist attacks. So, right. as I'm sure pretty much everybody knows, um, last week during an Ariana Grande concert, um, there was a bombing that killed 22 people, amongst them children, um, and injured a hell of a lot more. And just this morning, there was. Um, another terrorist attack where I think six people are dead, not counting the terrorists. Um, there were three of them. Mm. Now, 
I want to make something clear here before we get into that, uh, or, or this can of worms, is that um, I don't think that ISIS represents true Islam mm. on any level, and I don't think this is really about Islam. Um, no. On any level. I think that this is about sick bastards, <laughs> basically, yeah. that want to inflict harm and pain on one another and use a religion that is otherwise fine um, and use that as a weapon mm. to inflict people. I mean, he tar- these, they targeted children. It's It's just a bunch of people who... You know, firstly, I think they, I think they believe what they're doing is true, uh, is the right thing. I think they do too. Um, and it is, there is no denying that the Islamic religion has a set of ideals which we would find horrifying, and that's that's what the Islamic religion is. But the difference between these extremists and your everyday run-of-the-mill non-radical Muslim is that you know your everyday run-of-the-mill Muslim is able to understand, you know, what's a dangerous thing and what's yeah and what's not a dangerous thing um there is teachings in the quran that are obviously shocking and horrifying and there is teachings in the bible in the bible that there's, do there's the same thing yeah there's really no difference there but it's the interpretation of these teachings yeah and definitely manipulation of these teachings i think that on a, on a lot of levels there's really no discernible huge difference between Christians and Muslims. Um, it's the same God. No, that's right. Well, that's exactly right. It is. Um, I just think that um, there are people, and I'm talking generally here, so all religions, people that can understand where um, current cultural um, conditions and ideologies mm. trump certain religious ideologies. Trump. Yeah, Trump. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, um, yeah. Trump certain religious ideologies that would be seen antiquated by right. our um, current standard. And I think that most Muslims will, will, will know that. Will, they'll 100% know that. Look, like, a teaching in the Quran is you have to be, you know, stoned to death if, if you commit apostasy. And apostasy is leaving the faith, right? I mean, back in... The early days of Islam, this is probably a accepted thing. This is a culturally accepted thing. A terrible thing, ethically, mind you, but it's it's the norm. Now, if I went to a normal Muslim today in, in say, a, a, you know, in Sydney and said, hey, I've left the Islamic faith, stone me to death. He's not going to do that. Because the Quran also says, right, this is, this is interesting because it kind of, like, the Quran also says that if someone belongs to another faith... Don't even don't even try to convert them. Just no. respect that person, that individual's faith. I think that I should just sorry. I should just mention that Scott and I have both studied Islam extensively as part of the as part of the HSC um, here in Australia. Yeah, it's, it's part of our it was part of our school's curriculum. So uh, I mean, we're, I'm not saying we're experts or anything, but we 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 have received an education in it. Yeah, on on Islam to, to an and, extent, and yeah. the Quran and the Hadith. We we know. Enough, I feel, to be justified in talking about it mm. and defending them against this mm. onslaught of the mainstream media. I'm not willing to defend um, ISIS. Is that what yeah, I'm not willing to defend religion as a concept, but I will. No, no. I will um, defend the right to 
have yeah. religion. I'm I'm not going to let misinformation. Yes, no, I, I'm exist. I'm the same. I'm not going to defend religion, but I will defend people that believe in religion. If they haven't really done anything. If they haven't done well, that's that's exactly right. I mean, what, but, yeah. But yeah, it's these it's, people. These people, these horrible people. Right. So back in the old days, you know, World War One and World War Two, um, and Vietnam to a certain extent. Um, it it was far simpler. My father fought in Vietnam, and it was a lot simpler then. There was an enemy that came from a certain country, mm. had guns, and you tried to take them out. That's right? right. And they tried to take you out, and that was what a war was. But now, um, it's not about that. It's about ideology. Mm. Um, people thought communism was dangerous 50 years ago, but... They had no idea how dangerous radicalism and terrorism was. Mm. Because you can't kill an ideal. Um, right. And I'm against, I'm, I'm anti-violence altogether. I, if, yeah. if it could be avoided, I don't want anybody to die at all. Um, but these people, these, 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 these countries and the people that lead them, they have this idea in their head that the only way to deal with something is to, is to kill and to, to harm and to maim. But unfortunately... Killing doesn't work against an ideology because how do you stop an ideology? It's an idea. It's not a material thing. That's right. And these people, ISIS, um, they go around doing all these horrible things in different places and we can't possibly know know, where they're going to do it, Mm. why they're going to do it for any individual particular reason. Mm. Um, There are... they're just gonna do it. Barbaric warmongering state. That's right. Um, They're totally uneducated. I mean, sure, the you know higher ups may be very smart people. Oh, of course, because they'd be good manipulators. They'd be good brainwashers because they want power. Um, but but again, that's not about. I'm not even quite sure what they want. <sighs> I mean, they can't. Yeah. They can't know. be in it for money. I mean, they're not no, really no. getting rich. I mean, they probably are, but not to an extent. Well, I heard a long time ago that apparently the leader of ISIS wanted to form a new caliphate in Rome. So but why? Let me just explain What's that the statement. Point? So a caliphate was what uh, is like the center of Islam a long time ago, hmm. uh, back back in the Middle East. Yeah. So it was basically just the, the the it was like the capital of the religion okay. back back in the day. That's what a caliphate and was. A, and a caliph is the head. Yes, the caliph yeah, is the right, head. Okay. So basically, a caliphate is just a general term for the, a capital city. Of, or an Islamic city. Yeah, an Islamic city that's the head of the, the center of all Islam. Um, but we're going to just verify that, but I'm pretty sure I'm correct on that. Caliphate is an area containing an Islamic steward known as a caliph. Mm. I think it's, yeah, it's just a area of Islamic control. And um, this person who's in charge of ISIS wanted to form a new caliphate in Rome because he thinks that Rome is like the center of the earth or like, you know, the, the but, center of the world's power and culture. But why? Well, why form a caliphate? I think it's just people that want power and control. And I think that they'll do anything to get it. If they really believe in their religion to that extent, then, you know, they should believe in peace. They're, they're going to be causing so much harm. It kind of goes against some te- some yeah. teachings in the Quran and the Hadith. I mean, the Hadith is is a shocking book. It, it is yeah. straight up horrific. You know, I've I've read quite a bit of it. 
But, you know, there are things that the Christians have every, omitted and Every religion, apart, every from, religion has. apart from, you know, Buddhism, Buddhism and Jainism. Shintoism. And Hinduism to an extent. Uh, not Hinduism. Hinduism to an yeah. extent. I mean, there is, you know, some but strange... There's a, big, there's a big difference between Eastern religions and Western religions. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, there obviously has, you know, probably been individual people that have done some, you know, crazy things. But I, I think it was Sam Harris said once, uh, recently actually, he was mentioning that if you... Now this is, I'm not trying to be anti-Islamic or anything here. But I'm really not. Um, I'm just anti, you know, authoritarian. Violence. Well, yeah. Like, you know, radical... Radical... Anything. Controlling. Yeah, of. radical terrorism. And he said that if you were to, um, <clears throat> you know, give like a isolated society, the Quran and the Hadith, and you came back in a thousand years and they were killing each other, you wouldn't really be surprised, right? Although yeah. doing all these things in the Quran that's, that are listed, like, you know, stoning people to death yeah. and whatnot. But if you give the same, you know, society... Uh, you know, the Buddhist sacred text and you came back in a thousand years and you saw them and they were all fighting and killing each other and stoning each other to death, you would be quite shocked. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Well, then that comes into human nature, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be the same if you gave them the Old Testament. Very true, because the Old Testament is not that much better. No, No, I think the New Testament is, like, fairly peaceful. I think that's kind of the whole general idea of Jesus's peace. Yeah. Um, which is fair enough. I'm not saying any religion's better. I don't believe in any of it anyway. But um, all yeah. I'm saying is that I think that the Old Testament is certainly... In fact, well, I mean, the Old Testament's in Islamic... It's accepted. It, it's accepted as an Islamic text. So, you know, it's all just built up into this pent-up thing. And then these people come along and they abuse the whole situation. They just misrepresent things. I'm not... I don't understand their motives like you shouldn't how can you you know sure you believe in the religion you know sure you're devoted to the religion but how can you possibly logically you know think to yourself oh let's let's go and you know murder myself and explode in the middle of a crowd it just doesn't make sense because they aren't religious people they're sick people I think they're manipulated. You know, I once I, I watched a documentary once, and they interviewed this person who was in the Al Qaeda or the Taliban, and it was this old man, and he claimed to be able to convert people in thirty minutes, like convert people to suicide bombers in like thirty minutes or something like that. And I thought that was horrifying. Like you know, they're oh, taking they're taking like teenage boys and you know, what converting them to suicide bombers in thirty minutes. That's you know. It's out of control. Yeah, terrific. Um, but the big problem now, I guess, is ISIS. Didn't ISIS have a disagreement with Al-Qaeda or something? Yeah, because Al-Qaeda Al- think that ISIS are too hardcore. I mean, so all, I, think, I mean, in, in reality, all Al-Qaeda is doing... It was, was ...was doing, was just, quote-unquote, you know, protecting their territory. Yeah. Right? However, they well, kind of yeah, yeah. overstepped their mark oh, a little bit. Oh, of course. Bit. Oh, but but I think when it comes down to it, for Al Qaeda it was about revenge, right? Like it was just about striking back. Yeah. Um, but that's not what ISIS did. They struck first. ISIS is just a joke. Oh, it, yeah. I don't understand. I mean, even like the people who did nine eleven think that ISIS are too far. Like that says something. It, 
says says a lot, really. Um, I think an important thing, though, um, is that we cannot let these people, any terrorists, not just ISIS, you know, um, members of my family were in the IRA, um, not in, during the terrorist days, during the Civil War days. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, it's the same thing. They're all terrorists. It's all the same thing. It's all horrible. I just think we can't let them win, you know? So I think that... Um, no, so, so an example, um, here in Sydney, at the moment, we're having something called the Vivid Festival, mm. which is basically, it's gorgeous, isn't it? It's like all yeah. these lovely lights and everything all over the, the city. It's That's really right. Nice. Um, and I was kind of, I, I, I want to go, um, and I felt a little apprehensive about it, just because, you know, now there's been two terror attacks that are significant in like the space of like a week or two. Right. Um, so I was kind of like, oh man, do I really want to go to... No, I've, I've like... kind of been feeling the same way. Like, you know, what if someone just drives a car into, into it? it? It's scary. Um, it... But we can't let them win like that. I know, but the, the risk is too high. And I think a lot of people don't don't really comprehend that. No, I, yeah. I mean, the Vivid's a huge festival. It's packed. Mm. There are a lot of people. I was watching Vision on it tonight on the news. There's There's a lot of people that go to this thing. You know, I think the mindset that oh no, we can't let them beat us, um, you know, or let's just go to Vivid anyway. Let's don't worry about security. We can't let them, you know, batter us down. I think that's ignorant because you have to take into a consideration the actual risk of that happening. And I mean, not going to a a festival is not submitting yourself to Islam. I mean, it's just. Yeah. A logical risk versus yeah, the, yeah. benefit situation. But in saying that, we we can't let, you know, terrorist attacks control us. No, no, uh, yeah. But at the same time, I think you're right. I think, caref- I mean, according to the news tonight, I was watching Seven News. Um, and there's a big thing about security, though. I yeah. think security should be tripled. Yeah, well, they said on the news today that um, the, like, commission that's in charge of, like, assessing security risks or or whatever, they said that um, there was a probable chance of a, of a terrorist attack at Vivid. Um, I mean, God, that's fucked up. Probable. probable. That's very appealing. I mean, like, what do you say to that? Like, ah, oh, yeah, well, you know, we're probably going to get bombed. Yeah, it's, it's let's, a probable Let's go thing. anyway. Probably, yeah. I just think there has to be some sort of middle ground, you know, where you celebrate something for what it is, we shouldn't. Well, first of all, we shouldn't have to be scared. Like we, you know, that's what kind of annoys me is that we don't deserve to be scared of enjoying a cultural event that's accepting of everybody, regardless of race, religion, you know, color or creed or anything. You know, or sexual yeah. orientation, even nothing. Um, I just made a really sneaky, really messed up reference to to logic. Oh. I didn't do it really, really good, but I love didn't logic. really do it well. But I did it. It was done. Proud of me, Mum. I'm proud of you. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate that. That's the next best thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. It's tough. Um, I just don't want to fight the wars that our fathers leave for us. I'm not. I don't. Want, you know, metaphorically speaking, I don't want to be saddled with all this conflict because I'm not interested in it. I didn't cause it. I didn't start it. I didn't. I didn't fight it, and I don't want to end it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
and, and you know, I can just imagine the media man being like, oh, these millennials, they don't want to fight, they don't want to do anything. I had a lecturer at uni the other day who was from like the hippie generation. She said, you know, we used to fight all the time, you young people need to fight, you know. I don't think we want to fight. Not physically, at least. No, I don't, no, I don't even think we want to protest Because, so you much. know, war is futile. Yeah. I mean, as Wilfred Owen did say. Yes. Um, Quick boys. I love Wilfred Owen. Yeah, Wilfred Owen's pretty cool. I mean, there was some, you know, some interesting information that apparently came out about him, how he was sending letters to small children. Oh, yeah. Whatnot, but... I did hear about that. Not quite sure about the legitimacy of that anyway, but he was an excellent poet. He was, he was. Mm. Um, let's use this as a segue to talk about another topic that I would like to talk about. Mm. Um, and that is critical freedom for films mm. and television. So this week, I think Wonder Woman came out. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Wonder Woman. Uh, I, I do plan on seeing it. Um, I'm a huge Marvel fan, but I, you know, I don't really like DC that much, but I'm, I'm more than happy that to see Wonder Woman and mm. I'm more than happy that it's succeeding. Um, I believe right. it's at the moment it's got something like, no, let's have a look, like 93% Rotten Tomatoes. Let's have a look. Uh, Wonder Woman. Um, and obviously it's got a lot of, um, it's got a lot of, uh, stuff going on because it's the first female led superhero yeah, right. film. Okay. Um, yes, 93 93. Uh, rotten Tomatoes. On um, Rotten Tomatoes, even. Sorry? Rotten Tomatoes, even. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, 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 let's unpack this a little bit. Um, basically, what pissed me off, right? Um, I was watching a... Um, well, I wasn't watching anything. I was reading a... <laughs> sorry. I was reading a... Um, Website had a bunch of different articles, and you know how every movie when it comes out, if it's good, it starts at ninety nine percent. Yeah. Because it hasn't counted all the reviews yet. Um, I'm sorry. This is just my little rant because I'm a director and like I'm in the industry. Yeah. These different things, but basically, I was pissed off because they were like, "Oh, Wonder Woman has the best Rotten Tomato score of any Marvel or DC movie," and I was like, "Okay, you know what?" I've had enough of all this Marvel versus DC bullshit because that's what it is. It is bullshit. Marvel versus DC is a stupid battle. Um, I love Marvel. I don't particularly like DC, but I am very happy that Wonder Woman has ninety three percent because I will. I want all comic book movies to succeed because I enjoy watching comic book movies. And if Marvel is the only comic book movie maker then what's the point of doing it if mm. there's no competition? Exactly. Um, so I guess what I'm putting to you, Scott, is... Um, like, I know that Rotten Tomatoes is just... Uh, um, it's, a, it's an amalgamation site. So it just takes all the different reviews mm. and it just um, punches out a number that... Um, it just punches out a number um, that represents all the reviews so it's not doing anything bad it's not its own separate company mm. it's just an aggregation it's just giving out numbers right but my yeah. thing is should we stop caring about what Rotten Tomato says about our favourite movies and television series if we'd like something or if we want to go see something mm. can we just go and watch it or can we just 
look at uh, a t Rotten Tomato score without having to get into a fight with someone about it? Can we just use it to be informed? Like, what, what are your thoughts on all this? I think there should be a certain... Um, I'm not really sure how to explain it, Like an allowance on the score. To so say the score is like 50%, or well, I don't know. You know, there should also be, you know, a, a note made that, you know, there is reviews that are saying that this is a much better movie or and there is reviews that are saying this is a terrible movie. Um, but I think, you know, it, it shouldn't really impact on what you personally think about the movie. I just, I guess I'm just getting a bit sick right now. I like Rotten Tomatoes. I like knowing how good a movie is before I get yeah. to see it. That's just me personally, right? I like to get an idea, right? Um, and not everybody will agree with me on that, but I do like to, unless it's something like Star Wars and I don't want to know anything about it, but um, I will look at a score often just yeah. to know how it's going. But I don't think that that should be the be-all and end-all. No. And I'm starting to think that it's legitimately impacting on um, movie revenue. So, but remember, Superman came out last year. Personally, I thought it was terrible. Worst movie I've ever seen. But... <laughs> I don't think um, I actually ever watched it. No, no, don't. Um, but it got very bad reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. I think mm. it got like... I don't know, in the 20s or 30s or something. Oh, so, like... Better than like something like Baywatch, but not as good as like... <laughs> Marvel movies often get around 80 or 90 just because, you know, they've got a formula, they stick to it, it works. They pump yeah. out movies. Um, which is good, it's bad, it's whatever, but it is what it is. Um, anyway, um, I think, right, that obviously word of mouth is going to affect a movie's revenue. Oh, so, of course. That could be like, you know, the major impact because you're listening more attentively to people when you speak in person. I agree. However... I think less and less that's applying to movies today. That's true because, you know, you go and read a review on Rotten Tomato and you already, you know, have predetermined ideas. Of... You already know. And Batman vs. Superman, I mean, that should have been a shoe in for a billion dollars easily. Those yeah. are two of the most um, well known characters on this planet. It should have been a shoe in 100%. And it didn't make it. Mm. It did not make a billion dollars um, during its theatrical run. It didn't, it didn't make that much. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just think that, um, I just, it just annoys me because a lot of, I think it's annoying to say that, oh, Wonder Woman's better than every Marvel or DC movie. And that. I go, like, who the fuck cares? Mm, that's right. If a movie's good, a movie should just be good. Um, and I think that, I think that Marvel and DC need each other. They need the competition like they did when they made comic books. Back in the day. Yeah. Oh, they still do, but it was all about competition then. It's all about competition now. I just think that... I just think that all movies and TV shows should be um, looked at and valued on their own individual merit. Just go and watch a movie and just enjoy it. That's what yeah. movies are for at the end of the day. It's, it's all relative, I guess. Like, there shouldn't be anything, you know, saying that this is a terrible movie, you know, based on this individual's opinion. But that's that's often how it is, you know. Yeah. Movies will get trashed because one reputable source says, oh, it's not a good movie, and everyone's like, oh, okay, it's not a good movie. Yeah. Which is what annoys me, because I think that, the you know, Rotten Tomatoes is good. 
Uh, this, well, look, this it's, not, it's, it's, it's very good it's, at... It's a neutral force. The average. Yeah, of course, because it gives you an idea of what it is averagely, you know. But I think it's dangerous to use it as the sole tool for how you decide your movie-going experience. I and mean, everybody goes to the movies, right? So, yeah. you know, um, I guess, you know, I'm just going a little rant now because I make them. But, like, I don't know. Just go and enjoy it. That's what it's all about. Mm. Like, movies can be, like, about... Whatever you want them to be, but at the end of the day, they're made for entertainment. And that's just it. Just enjoy movies. I think that, you know, people that are like... I think that Marvel fans that are like getting all pissed off because Wonder Woman's good and DC fans that are like, oh, look at us, we made a good movie. Mm. That, no, that's wrong. And that's the type of culture that, you know, um, that Rotten Tomatoes is creating. Now... I wanted to make a quick little point. Um, Get Out came out in Australia this year. Um, and I saw it last night for the first time. Scott hasn't seen it. So I won't say much yeah. about it because mm. it's an excellent, excellent film. I loved it. I thought it was mm. excellent. Now, it has a very rare score of 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Which is better than The Empire Strikes Back. I think it's better than like The Dark Knight. Wow. That's like an incredibly good score. All right? Um, and... It's a fantastic movie. Do get me wrong. It's great. Does it top The Empire Strikes Back? Well, no, because The Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> like Pop Fiction, like The Dark Knight, like The Godfather, are one of the best movies ever made. You know? Mm. And, and I just, I don't know, I just think that Rotten Tomatoes is like, it's so, it's so subjective. Yeah. It's all film is subjective. That's exactly right. And it changes for every single movie. Like, yeah, I mean, get out. everybody likes Get Out. Right, um, but ninety nine percent is a weighty number, mm. and it says a lot. Um, and I think that just because everybody likes it doesn't mean that suddenly it's this godly ninety nine percent of the film. You know, yeah. don't get me wrong; it's uh, it is phenomenal, but I wouldn't say that it's like ninety nine percent. You know, like the greatest movie ever. You know. I just found out it was written by Jordan Peele or directed by Jordan Peele. That's who's right. From Kenny and Peele. That's right. What um, the hell? Yes, he directed it. Um, I think IGN referred to it as a Key and Peele um, sketch with the slider turned to horror. So that's kind of what it is. Wow. Um, Jordan Peele directed it, and can I just say, Jordan Peele is an exquisite director, I've learned in the last 24 hours. Mm um, he is truly fantastic. Seriously, it was phenomenal. I'm gonna give you the movie tonight because um, you need to watch it. Okay. It was a, it was just it was just a great movie. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about is um, Red Dead Redemption Two. Um, so I, I don't know anything about. Well, Red okay, Dead let, me, let me let me lay some knowledge down on it. Well, first of all, let me give the viewers a bit of backstory. Right. Um, Scott and I have been playing the first Red Dead Redemption for, on and off, for seven years. You know, a long time. Yeah. Ever since it came out. You know, we've been playing it. Especially, like, you know, as it came out. Yeah. We played so much of, like, Red Dead Online. Probably haven't played it in about three years. No, it's been a while, but (laughs) we we do play it occasionally. um, Just single player, because it's a fantastic game. It is a phenomenal game. It's one of my favourite games ever. There's no doubt about that. Scott and I played the hell out of this game. I mean, like, an incredible amount of, like, time we spent on on this game. We spent a lot. Um, 
And so we were both pretty happy, just like everybody else was, yeah. when they announced Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm-hmm. We knew it had to come eventually. So we're really happy about it. So let me run through a few features for you. Um, basically, it's going to have GTA Online, but Red Dead Online. So that's going to be godly. I mean, like, incredible. Could you imagine, like, the technological advancements? Hold on. Yeah. That, that's amazing. Yeah. We're getting Red Dead Online, like, a proper, full-on thing. Right? I, didn't, I didn't know it was... When is Red Dead 2 set? Um, I, we don't know. The, the main theory is it's a prequel to Red Dead Redemption. Mm. Because you know how Red Dead Redemption's kind of set at the end of the West? Yeah. Yeah, they, they because in the trailer they show buffaloes and things like that, and they went extinct at a certain point. So like they're trying to, they reckon it's about you know how John Marston ran with a gang in the first game, like a long time ago, and he has to that's the plot he has to go and kill the gang member, the old gang members. I think yeah, like very vaguely. Um, the idea is is that we're following that story. Okay. Like years ago, um, but we're getting G- uh, we're getting Red Dead Online, so a huge. Online multiplayer experience. Red Dead Redemption itself is set in 1911. Yeah, so I think it'd be before then. So in the 1800s. Um, Okay. So the real Old West. And we've got a trailer. It's it's gorgeous. It's a beautiful trailer. No doubt, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to put it in this video because, like, you know, you should just just go out and see it. Mm. Um, Also, it's too much editing work. Um, It's, oh, it's just a, a fantastic trailer. Like, it's just so good. Yeah. Um, now it was originally, I think it said something like, um, summer 2017. So American summer 2017 Mm. or something like that. Um, they showed one trailer and then we got no other information like based on the (laughs) information dump and then people, right? So we didn't get anything. It's summer in the U S now or it's autumn or something. It's been this, you know, Mm. and then they said they're delaying it a full year to summer 2018. Right. Yeah. Um, and people are complaining as if they didn't see it coming. (laughs) <laughs> like, oh, yes, yeah, sorry, they're just going to drop Red Dead Redemption 2 with no other information or trailers, right? Mm. They said, sorry, we're not showing at E3, we're just doing it next year, right? Um, and they're going to work on it. Now, here's my point. Let Rockstar do what they do best, which is making good games, and just, 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 just let them... I don't, I don't understand why people are so, you know, quick to, to jump in the wagon of, you know, bagging everyone at Rockstar out. I mean, look at Grand Theft Auto V. It's, it's a huge game. Oh, it's... It's going to be huge. Could you imagine Red Dead Redemption Online? It's two games in one, right? Like GTA V was. GTA V is just... I don't even know how they actually made that. GTA V is like an excellent game. I mean, Phenomenal. You know, it, perfect. It, it does yeah. get uh, repetitive. Oh, but only... But it takes a very long time. But only since we've been playing it for four years non-stop. You know what yeah. I mean? There's only so much you can yeah, pull out. Exactly that's, right, yeah. that's a pretty juicy lemon, if you ask mm. me. You know? That's, you know, can't really argue with that, I mean. No, God, no. So, my question is, right, if they've been, pr- if we've been proven wrong for getting angry at them so many times with fantastic games like Red Dead Redemption and Grand Theft Auto 5 and 4 and 3 and all these different things, then why are we questioning them this time? If they need the extra year to polish the game, then they need the extra year to polish the game. Yeah. And there's, there's not much more I think you can really say about that. But people, like, the online community is just inflamed. I think gamers online are terrible. Mm. You know, they just, they just have these opinions that are really, you know, intense. But, um, yeah, it just, it just, I don't know, 
it's kind of frustrating you because you know you love Red Dead Redemption. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite games of all time. I think. I would agree, but I'm more than happy to wait a year for it. I'm if, I'm really not fussed. No, if they, I mean, you know, as you know, I I haven't had a lot of time and I haven't played video games in general. I haven't kept up with the news or anything like that. But yeah. I do still value. Oh, of course. And you're going to get Red Dead Redemption too. Oh, of course. I mean, you can't not get it. It's it's a landmark. It's remarkable. Like yeah, I mean, you should read the details later. There is some incredible stuff in this game. Mm. I mean, like intense, right? It just I don't know. I'm with you. It just annoys me that people are frustrated that we're waiting a year. Whereas I would rather wait a year and get a good product. Yeah, exactly. Have it drop tomorrow and it not be good. Like like I would rather wait a year and get both. Get Red Dead Online and Red Dead Redemption Two. Than just getting like the campaign or whatever tomorrow. Because yeah. it's not going to take you a year to finish that. No, no, no. And and thankfully, it was only like a month, I think, between GTA 5 and Online originally. Like it was just a month yeah. or two. It wasn't too long. We didn't have to wait long at it was, all. It was, it was rough, but it wasn't. Oh, it wasn't like terrible. No. And when it came, it was well worth it. Um, exactly. And when, when heists came, they were well worth it. Exactly. So... I advise that people on the internet just need to chill out a little bit. I think they need to be a lot more open-minded. I'm not necessarily jump to conclusions. Yeah, I just think like when it comes to some something prestigious, like, like um, oh, it's like you know, it's like the the Legend of Zelda: The Breath of the Wild, that spent like seven years in development mm. the last main Zelda came out in when we were in year seven wow right that's a long time ago um and it came out and you know it's one of the best games ever made 100% like objectively hands down mm. like it just is um and look how long that took it's just with with pieces of art and, and don't get me wrong games like television and film are art yeah um, I no think. they are it just takes a long time to produce things sometimes, mm. I think. What do you reckon? What are your general thoughts on all this? You just have to trust in the, the developer because they obviously know what they're doing. I mean, have you been involved in the development of GTA Five? No, I don't think so. No. I mean, they know what they're doing and it takes time to perfect something like that. I mean, you can't, you can't argue with that. You just have to accept it and be patient. I agree. I think it's um, a bad move to kind of bully people, um, bully a company into doing anything, you know, whether it's releasing something. Or... When it comes to like LA Noir, like there wasn't a problem with releasing it. It was the development. The development of it, which people, you know, externally found shocking and rightfully so, you know, because, you know, there was like stupid hours. And oh, like of course, yeah. Not the best pay. And, you know, I'm not entirely sure of what happened, but I know it was worth that company shutting down. Which, by the way, can we just get a little tangent? I want L.A. Noire 2. We need L.A. Noire L.A. Noire was my favourite game of all time. I love L.A. Noire. Like, it's the reason I fell in love with Noir in the first place. Like, as a... As a oh, I just love me some L.A. Noire. <laughs> and I want more. And they say that it's possible, but I want more. Yeah, no, I... Straight up. LANAR was the best game I've ever played by a long shot. In in my personal opinion, and I don't know why. It's just Is that the same still the same? 
today? Is that the case today? Yeah. 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 It's phenomenal. It, you know, the only game that I think could beat it in like my personal, you know, ideal of liking is the game coming out, Star Citizen, but that isn't really finished yet. Yeah, the jury's out on that one until... Can't make a judgment on that yet. Yeah. But no, Eleanor was just the best experience I've ever had in a game. And I actually patiently played it for once. Because you know me, I'm not... Yes, not not someone who likes to spend a lot of time stuffing around. Especially on a game. But Eleanor, I, I took the time to do things and I don't know why. It's just... I remember Scott and I were 14 years old, right? Or... If that, 13 or 14, right? And we were huddled in my room. It was a cold winter's <laughs> night. And we had, like, my desktop computer on. We had we bought Eleanor and downloaded it. I remember that, yeah. And um, we played, like, a good half of the game. I think you'd played it before, but I think we played a good half of the game that night. Right? We just went through it. And it's like, oh, man, I'll never forget it. It was just, like, a magical little, little experience playing that game. And, like, you felt like you were there mm. solving these crimes. Probably not an appropriate game for a fourteen-year-old to play in retrospect. Oh. Do you remember the Black Dahlia, like oh, murder yeah. cases? Yeah. But it does require some abstract thinking, and I think that's the best part of it. Oh, it does. It's not for stupid people. This game, no. I'll tell you that. I think it's interesting how, even though it was, you know, I don't know if it was, it wasn't developed by Rockstar, really, was it? But it was, well. It was developed by... It's controlled Team, by Rockstar. Team Bondi. Yeah. Which I believe... I, I believe Team Bondi was also, like, also technically Rockstar Sydney, I think. Yeah, I in, think. in a sense, yeah. So, I don't know how true that is. I know it's definitely... It was called Team Bondi, but I think internally it was Rockstar Sydney. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, and it was developed... It was an Australian game, which I think is like a, another big thing I loved about it, is that it was made here... Um, exactly. Scott and I nearly interned at the place where it was yeah. developed before it got shut down for good. Like it stayed, it stuck around for a few years, two or three years. And Scott and I were like, we tried to get work experience. Yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah, we tried to because they were working on Horror of the Orient at the time. I wish that game came out. I wish you got Horror of the Orient. I I love because um, it was like an Eleanor sequel ish, prequel ish. It's just a different kind of story. Oh uh, yeah, but it was in the same sort of. Shanghai was it? It was Shanghai, I think. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Or Singapore. The atmosphere just looks so good. Like that trailer, I think they released. Oh, there was like a gameplay leak. Oh, yeah. I just would have loved to. Oh man. And we nearly went and tried to get work experience on Horror of the Orient back when it was like it was like I don't know like twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. Yeah. Scott and I nearly went and did that, and we didn't, and the company collapsed not long afterwards. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think we would have gotten in, even if we had tried. Maybe. I don't know. But, um, you know, like, I don't know, like, Eleanor was, like, for Australians, for us young Australian gamers, it was kind of this beacon that, like, hey, look, you can make this incredible game in Australia. You know, I I think that game in particular inspired a lot of kids to try and be game developers. Definitely. And then, you know, let's not even mention the state of the game development market in Australia. Oh. It's... Piss poor. It's, it's, it's nothing. It's non-existent. It's, it's, it's a bit embarrassing, to be honest. I mean... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's just... A, there is no... No, there is no... There's, market. There's no market for it. I mean, like, what... They were the, they were the only big ones. 
and you know, I know most people go and study game development and stuff like that at university, and they end up just working in an anima- like animation. Yes, because it's the only thing, place I can get a job. Mm. Um, exactly. So it's just it's just terrible. Oh, it is. It's it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we. Um, I'm glad we came to that conclusion. On that, mm. because I. Uh, I feel we got some. Uh, some good, 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 good stuff on that. I just wish we had LNR too. Um, I think we will. I in, just in don't, a while. I just don't think we'll get it for a while. Yeah. Like I think we'll get it in between Red Dead Two and GTA Six. I think it'll be like the Red Rockstar game that's kind of in the middle. It should be. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. they get someone working on it. I know. <laughs> I kind of I try and keep my ear to the ground. I know there's a lot of rumors about like a Nazi Old Republic reboot. Right. Which would be okay. fantastic. I love. It. Well, apparently, I heard a rumor. The rumor is that um, they were working on Nazi Old Republic, like a remake of it. Yeah. And then they kept on trying to add new stuff and new stuff and new stuff to the point where they're like, "Fuck it, let's just make a whole new game." <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, that's really cool. I hope that's the case. But I've never heard anything about Eleanor Two. Let's have a little look now, shall we? I mean, the Horror of the Orient. You know, as we mentioned, the Orient was kind of LAR too, I guess. But like, yeah, not really story related, but more production wise. But it, it, you know, the concept of Horror of the Orient, I just found that absolutely amazing. It's just such, oh. such an interesting kind of you know concept that we're playing around with. Um. So the only rumor I've got is that there's an. L.A. Noir remaster coming twenty seventeen. Remaster. A remaster. So like a. What would that really entail? Like not a remake. Extra missions. Ah. Uh, not really. Oh, rumor. L.A. Noir remaster coming summer twenty seventeen with a Nintendo Switch version. What the heck? Oh man, I'd totally play that on the train. That's <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> I play L.A. Noir on the train all the time. I hope this is real. Wow, it better be real. I tell you what. I want LA I just want to go buy it again. I mean, already, I've already bought it, but I just want to buy it again. Such a good game. Uh, if they made a remake... Okay, if they made a remake and it came out on all three next-gen consoles, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be pretty happy about that. Because mm. I'd get it for the Switch so I could play it on the train. Exactly. Imagine... Portable LA Noire. Ah! Uh, yeah, that needs to happen. 100%. It better. I'm calling. You know what? I'm going to go home after this and I'm going to re-download Eleanor. Which I should just... have it downloaded permanently. Permanently on a USB. Yeah, I should just have it ready to go at any given time. Someone happens to be like, hey, you... have you got Eleanor? I'm like, yes, I do. Yes, yes, so I glad do. you asked. Some random guy on the street just walking through Surrey Hills. Someone's like, hey, man. Yeah, but I have a copy of LA Now on oh, the USB. Oh, mate, I'm so glad you asked. I've got one right here. Wow. Give me a table, mate. I'll chuck up your laptop. <laughs> nah, legit, I would. Any, any, I would, I would, oh. Although, a Nintendo Switch version would make that a lot easier than the laptop with the USB method. Oh. I want to play LA Now on this laptop. Yeah, me too. I want to play LA Now right now. God damn it, why do we start talking about LA Noir? Now I feel nostalgic. No, I love LA Noir. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. So, you know what? 
If they need to delay Red Dead Redemption 2 so they can make an Eleanor remaster, do it. Do it. You know what? I'll pay you to do it. Just charge us 80 bucks. Don't even tell us what it's for. I'll do it. Just take it out of the account. Take it out of my account. You've already... Listen, you've already basically got my money for Red Dead Redemption 2 anyway. Like, do I have to physically go out and pre-order it? Like, it doesn't matter. You know I'm going to buy it. You know we're all going to buy it. So... Just... Just buy it for us. Yeah. That would... That would be nice. I wouldn't complain. Uh, okay, so now we're going to talk about our final topic for so, today. There's a certain section in our podcast we've decided to have, and it's the random controversial topic. Now, we kind of went against it and just, like... Chose one to start it off. Yeah, just chose one to start it off. But in the future, we'll just we'll just randomly pick it during the show. Yeah. Um, so anyway, what is today's topic, Scott? So today's controversial topic is alternative medicine. Now, oh. I, I guess what we're going to talk about is just our personal views on it. I really think... And what we think about it. So, what do you think about alternative medicine? Let's first of all let's think about what is alternative medicine. Well, um, to me, alternative medicine um, essentially is um, alternative medicine is is medicine. Well, not medicine, but it's some sort of procedure that isn't traditional medicine in the sense of like tablets or you know chemotherapy or some mm. sort of thing like that. It's using natural methods such as certain you know, um, herbal remedies and acupuncture and things like that. Um, and it's supposedly, if you believe people who do alternative medicine, um, meant to be as effective or more than for, for a multitude of different reasons than traditional medicine. And the line is tough to say because there are some herbal things that, that do help you. That is true. But then that would be medicine, not alternative medicine. Exactly. You see what I mean? There, there are herbal remedies that work because that's just the very nature of how yeah. medicine is. Uh, but that's they're not alternative medicine anymore. That is traditional medicine. I think the underlying problem with alternative medicine being a concept is that once something is proven to work, it's no longer alternative medicine. Which is the very problem with the nature of alternative medicine. Exactly. In the first place. I know that. I think I'm pretty sure there was something about you know an ancient Chinese herb that has a chemical in it that happens to be very effective at treating malaria. And I mean, that's the only really substantial contribution of herbal medicine, in yeah. my opinion. Um, you know, I am vaguely qualified to talk about it because I am yeah, studying course. medical science. I'm not qualified at all, but, you know... Well, I you have, kind of are. I, I, can't, I know what I'm talking about. Like, I know how things could have an effect. And there's just... It's it's a dangerous line of work. Oh, hundred percent it is. You know, it's there's a lot of stigma and you know people get misleaded very easily. Yeah. Because you know, uh, a lot of these people actually believe what they're doing. Oh, of course they would. Yeah. And if, you know, for for some interesting reasons, some I think are quite good, and some are just stupid. Quite honestly, you know, there was the case of the. Uh, young girl who actually died recently because her naturopath intravenously injected turmeric, I think it was, or curcumin. I think it was turmeric. Um, okay. Um, I put turmeric on my, like, steak sometimes. Yeah. And <laughs> that got put into someone's veins? Yeah. IV turmeric. And this lady um, died from a heart attack and the coroner said 
pretty much there is no doubt that it was the turmeric that caused the blood clot which caused the heart attack. Right. So that's a real problem then. So the naturopaths straight up killed a lady. Yeah. <laughs> by, yeah by putting a Indian spice in her veins. I mean, just think about that, like, why? Um, although, for all our bagging out of it, I will say, um, if it works for you, placebo-wise, like if you mm. believe that it's more calming, and it is calming probably, I think things are okay. different. If it, if it has a benefit to you, then great, fantastic. Do all the alternative medicine you want. But I think it's dangerous to use alternative medicine as a replacement for traditional medicine. I think alternative medicine's place, well, shouldn't be called alternative medicine, alternative treatment, maybe, or additional treatment, because I think that it should be mm. used in addition to um, traditional medicine. That's why some people start calling it complementary medicine, but I think that's even worse because then people associate it with mainstream medicine when it's not. When it's not, yeah. So I think it can't be called alternative medicine. It can't be called... It, it should be, I don't know, like unverified, <laughs> you know, kind of treatments. Cause natural, it's... natural remedy. Call it something that makes it clear that there is a very um, solid distinction and separation between traditional medicine and alternative medicine. Traditional medicine, we know how it works. We know why it works. Whereas... Natural medicine, for example, like, you know, like herbal remedies, it, sure, it might work, but the problem with it is that the chemical or whatever chemical is meant to be having an effect on the body inside this plant, you can't actually really know, or they don't really look at the content in this. So they say, oh, here's a a thousand milligrams a day of ginkgo or something like, you know, the, the herbal remedy. Yeah, yeah. But the chemical that actually might be having the effect, we don't even know what it is what or is, where yeah. it is in the plan or anything like that. It could be one milligram to 20,000 milligrams. I mean, well, obviously it can't be more than the actual dose, but I mean, you don't actually know what's happening. We don't know how it works. So it's actually kind of dangerous in a sense. I yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. But there is, you know, some amounts of research that are for and against, you know, Mostly against, very much so against, um, the effectiveness, at least, of alternative yeah. medicine. I think it has its place. It has its place. It needs to know its place. But it, yeah, it needs to understand that. Yeah. So even things like chiropractic are considered alternative medicine. Now, I actually support chiropractic. Um, I don't support the, uh, you know, chakras and crystals kind of chiropractic, but... I support the physiotherapy style chiropractic. Yeah, 100%. Because I think it has a reasonable basis scientifically when their practitioners understand the limitations of the method. Um, Then you get people like crystal healers and Reiki healers who mislead people and say, oh, I can cure your cancer just for $200 an appointment. And I mean, mean, come on, like how, how can you fall for that? Yeah, I think unfortunately there's a lot of people that use naturopathic methods to um, extort money out of. Um, oh, there's there's no doubt, and homeopathy is just another another can of worms. I mean, it's just water. It, yeah. Statistically, it, they're just feeding yeah. you. It's diluted, like it's one part active ingredient and ten to the sixty parts water. Yeah, hundred percent. That, that's water. That's just there's more chemicals in our tap water. Than that 
and people, you know, actually believe the effectiveness of homeopathy, you know. And it's dangerous. Yeah, it's a real problem, I think. Yeah. And there's no, like, real governing body. No, 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 there's not. I could just go to a supermarket and buy as much homeopathic or naturopathic remedies I wanted, and there's no advice, there's no danger information. Yeah, which which I think is a real problem. Exactly. 100% it's a real problem. No doubt. Yeah. All right, well, uh, that's all we have time for today for our very first episode of Stream of Consciousness. That's it, yeah. Thank you very much, Scott, for joining me today. No worries, thank you. No, uh, and uh, we hope a bunch of people watch this. We understand that... At probably, least three. Yeah, uh, we know that not a lot of people will probably at first, but, you know, we're going to work our way up and we're going to make this a thing. So, thank you very much. This is Riley McGuire signing off. Thank you. Okay.